Hello? Hi, I'm David Compostable Reader again. How has dinner been? I would like us, I'd like to let everybody know, you know, there was another group in this room and their meeting ran way late. And this room was ready for us at 6.30. The, the staff here, I, I would like to give them a, an applause because... No, they've done an incredible job, and we were all thinking a room full of compulsive overeaters, and if dinner was not ready on time, what would it be like? Even in recovery, can you just imagine? So, anyway, I'd, now we're going to have our keynote speaker, and this is somebody that we've, again, heard wonderful things about. She, this is Selma from San Mateo, so please welcome her. Hi, everybody. My name is Selma. I'm recovering from compulsive overeating, bulimia, stinking thinking. Has everybody been having a good time? Yeah, it's been a really great conference, and I'm so happy to be here. Like David said, I'm from San Mateo, Northern California, the Bay Area, for people who don't know San Mateo is. <laughs> there we are. And I'm just really grateful to be here tonight to tell you what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now for me in my journey to recovery in Overeaters Anonymous. I, um, I'll just start with a little qualification. Well, I've been, I'd say that I've been in OA for 33 years. I have 19 years of abstinence and 50-pound weight relief. And I want to say for those of you who think that, that we're 19 years sounds like a long time, I, I've been coming consistently for 33 years, so um, I've lost count now. But that's about 12, 14. I'm embarrassed. I can't. I, 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 14. Thank you. That is 14 years of two steps forward, one step back, three steps sideways, six steps back, four steps forward, falling down, get picking myself back up, hitting bottom, thinking I hit bottom, hitting a deeper bottom, and continually coming back. So that's the message I have to start with is uh, no matter what, don't leave the rooms, keep coming back. And if you do leave the rooms, come on back, you know. I hear so many people say that they have so much shame coming back, and really, it's a lot. I think it's a lot harder to stay out there than it is to come back in the rooms. Um, so what I'll do is I'll I'll go back to uh, what it was like and what brought me into Overeaters Anonymous. I I went to my first OA meeting actually when I was 16, and I remember. I was, 
I'll back up even further because my childhood had a lot to do, I believe, with uh, the fact that I chose to use food to cope with life. And those of you who know me know know this part of my story, but I'll I'll tell it anyway. I I was born in my I was born to parents who were in their early twenties. My father was pretty much fresh off the boat from the Middle East. He had come over to go to UC Berkeley. He met my mother. They um, they uh, they got pregnant, and um, being um, well, he would I don't know what he would think if I told his story like I'm telling it. But being uh, um, being raised in a very conservative Muslim family, I don't think they um, would have looked kindly on the fact that she was pregnant. So instead of going back home to the girl he was promised to, or she was going back to the girl who was waiting for him, he stayed and married my mother. My mother tells me that um, she was afraid of my father because his English was so bad she could barely understand him. Um, So that's the kind of how they started off their their relationship together. But my mother is still very much in love with my father. I want to say they're very much in love. They're still married. And it's been 50-some years. So, it, you know, it, there's a lot to be said for um, hanging in there. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, so my, my, my parents got married, and, and, ra- and I was the first child. So I'm the first child to a, a Muslim uh, father. My mother's from this country. And they, my father um, proceeded to raise me as though we, he was still living in the Middle East, which I didn't realize had such an impact on me until I later years got into therapy. But um, by the time I got to be, there was, it ended up being four children, and by the time I got to be um, a teenager, I recognized that my household was a little bit different than the other kids' household, and I, 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 I knew that um, something inside of me told me that I wasn't at, 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 the, at the age of adolescence that my life. I wanted to go one road. I wanted to take the road of being a normal American teenager and going to parties and having boyfriends and um, sneaking out at night and doing that kind of stuff, but. The other part of me said that's not what a good daughter does in um, an Arab Muslim family. And I was never told that directly, but that's when the eating started. So I stayed home, and I, I say I stayed home. I, I, I did what a good daughter does, and I was a devoted daughter, and I, um, I became um, a dutiful. I, want to, I don't want to get too much into the, the family stuff, but... Um, But in order to cope with the pain of feeling different, I ate. And that's when my eating disorder started. And um, that's when the dieting started. And about 12 or 13, the weight started going on. And I realized that um, I remember I weighed probably what I weigh now. And I was 13 years old, and I said, you can't gain any more weight. This is what a woman weighs. This is what an adult woman weighs, and you can't gain more than that. So already that sense of panic set in, and um, that sense of, i got to stop. i got to stop. And um, how am I going to stop? And 
at such a young age. So my teenage years were filled with dieting and trying not to eat and feeling different than everyone else. And and back in the, the 70s, the late 60s and the 70s, you know, those were the olden days. And back when we were still walking to school and walking home and only got a ride if it was raining and uh, we, you know, we were outside as much as we could be and the phone was still connected to the wall so you only had one in the house, one in the kitchen maybe and one somewhere else but you know, everything took a lot more physical work so kids my age weren't overweight and I was, I was only 30 to 40 pounds overweight but I felt 3 to 400 pounds overweight so I started taking so during the 70s, you know, I started getting the uh, the pills, the, the, the speed at, at school, and I took the speed as much as I could, and I would go for as many days as I could without eating, and I'd keep them by my bed, and I would have a glass of water there so that the minute I woke up in the morning, I would drink, drink uh, I mean, I would take the speed so I wouldn't eat that day. But that started the binge binge cycle because um, you can only go for I could only go for five days in a row without eating anything and um, um, and and taking speed and, and I was a psychomaniac on that stuff and then I can remember just huddling by the heater because I was so cold for not eating and I see heads nodding so I guess I was not the only one out there doing this but of course I felt like I was the only one doing this and that's the, the part about this disease that is so isolating and so lonely is that the shame that goes with it, the feeling of I'm the only one, if any, nobody else does this, normal people don't do this and how, and I think my theme in my life trying to find answers was how am I going to stop? I can't stop. And that's one of the things I wanted to say tonight about why I'm so grateful to be here is that I'm in a room full of people who are nodding when I say when it comes to food I can't stop and I don't know how. Left to my own devices I really 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 want to and I really, really, really can't. It got it broken, and it can't be fixed. That part where I, I have, <clears throat> excuse me, I have a choice because when the craving hits, when the the little addict in my head says, "Oh, that would taste so good," all of a sudden, my mind goes into an altered state. My heart starts speeding up, racing and I start panicking. Now, mind you, of course, this hasn't happened for 19 years, but I'm telling my story. And this is, this is the nightmare that I remember, that every day was about eating and not eat, eating or not eating. And so when I, when I moved out of my parents' house, and it was a very difficult transition moving out of my parents' house at 19 because in the Middle East, you don't move out of your parents' house until you're married. And your father owns you if you're a child, and then your husband owns you if you're a wife. And so my father was doing the best he could to adjust to this culture, but there was a lot of enmeshment there, a lot of love-hate enmeshment. We're very close family, 
family values were very important to him. So there was a very difficult line for me to figure out between what is the family values and what is control. So for me to move out was, was real difficult, and I think that's when my uh, bulimia started. I, I moved out, and I, I can still remember, um, you know, how that started. And then also, I had been introduced to OA at the age of 16. My best friend, my best friend was very tall and skinny, but her father was a longshoreman uh, at San Francisco, in San Francisco docks, and he weighed 350 pounds and was like a clone of uh, Archie Bunker. And uh, he and I would talk about diets all the time. So he took me to my first OA meeting at 16. And I remember what I, I still remember a woman standing up there saying, I can't stay on the food plan, but I keep coming back. And I thought, why? <laughs> why would you keep coming back? I had been the Weight Watcher so many times. Um, well, not at that point I hadn't, but I had tried so many diets at 16 already that, you know, when they didn't work, I didn't try to stay on them because it was clear to me it was time to find the next diet. So here was Overeaters Anonymous and these people were saying that they kept coming even though the program didn't work. So what was that about? I, I just I couldn't figure it out. And plus at that time, I didn't understand, there, I couldn't figure out if there was a food plan or what the diet was, but the seed was planted. So at the age of 19, no, the age of 19, I went back and checked it out, but I was also trying to decide between OA and Weight Watchers. Um, and um, I went to a meeting in Santa Cruz, and uh, someone came up to me and said, would you like a sponsor? And I said, oh, no, 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 I'm not ready to start. And I said, you know, because Thanksgiving's coming up. And, <laughs> and she said, Thanksgiving, and then Christmas, and then Valentine's Day, and then Easter, and then, and I looked at her like, back off. <laughs> you know, and she stopped. <laughs> so, clearly, I said I wanted to stop, I wanted a way to stop, but I wasn't ready to stop. And I can still, I can, my body is still, I can still feel that day. Um, you know, I, I always wonder that, you know, when I hear people say, uh, somebody walked up to me and asked me if they, uh, they want, you know, somebody walked up to me and asked me if I wanted a sponsor. And I always think, wow, that's really bold to ask a newcomer if they want a sponsor before they're ready. And I think now I know why, because it happened to me and I wasn't ready. But, um, I kept going to the meetings and sitting in the back because I think at the age of 16 when I went to that first meeting, I heard there was something there other than diet. And I was one of those old souls that was always searching for meaning in life. And I would, I, I was at San, going to college at San Francisco State and I, I was just so depressed and so unhappy. and. Um, one day these, these people, I think it was one person or maybe two came up to me and they, um, they did, just started up a conversation and, and asked me if I wanted to, they belonged to this group of people and they, they had this great place they would go out to in the country and they served a free dinner and why didn't I come out there and 
um, and have a dinner with them and hear this talk. And I thought, okay, and I took the information. And then when they walked away, I thought, oh, those were Moonies. Those were Moonies. And, and I'm the kind of person that looks like, and I'm the kind of person that's living the kind of life where they see they can get a recruit because I was so depressed. I was so depressed, so unhappy. I walked around, I looked, you know, at you people, I looked in your eyes, and I thought, there's life in those eyes, and there's death in my body, in my mind, in my soul, and I can't live like this, and I, what happened? How did I, how did, what happened that I'm, I have no life? I felt like I had no life, because every day it was, you know, get up, uh, don't eat. How am I going to not eat? How am I going to get through the day? How do I? Um, is my are my clothes going to fit? What's going to fit today? Get on the scale, please God, please God, please God. Oh my God, it's up, it's up. Oh my God, what am I going to do? Oh God, you know that sense of panic that I couldn't stop it. I couldn't stop it. I couldn't stop the weight. I couldn't stop the compulsion. I couldn't stop. Um, wanting it so desperately and I, I felt like by the time I was 21 I had tried um, Weight Watchers several times you know joining on Monday binging on Tuesday so going to a different location starting on Wednesday not making it till Friday saying okay I'll just okay next week for sure for sure you know but that didn't last long because I knew there was no for sure tomorrow I couldn't do it I could not put food in my mouth and not binge I am a binger I don't I, I, I even I even hear people's stories and talk to people in OA that amaze me because they can just eat one bag or one box you know they'll say I ate the whole box and I think and that's it are you in the right program <laughs> but you know I, I have to remember that in the way I look at it is this disease exists on a continuum and there's you know there's people here who, who really don't know how to eat I mean you see them on Dr. Oz I think those, those people where they don't know how to eat and then Dr. Oz puts pictures up on this is the size this is the food, one from each of these groups, and then three months later they come walking out nice and thin because they just didn't know what size to eat of what color to eat of these little foods, you know. And I just think, oh, if only it was so that easy, my goodness. And I, um, I, I think I knew what size to eat and what color to eat. I just couldn't, I couldn't eat those sizes, and I can't eat those, you know. I wanted. Salty, greasy, sugary, and um, more of it, and more of it, and more of it, and more of it. And my, because I was bulimic, it just went around the clock. And um, people would think I was bulimic because I wanted to be thin. That was a part of it, but it was because I wasn't done eating when I was full. Because I had this drive, I had this compulsion, and it never shut off once I put the food in my body and I would the way it worked was like this I would I would be going along trying trying thinking I'm doing okay and then all of a sudden it would just hit wouldn't it be great if you had such and such think about how that tastes and I go no 
No, 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 don't, please. I got, I got a paper due today. Oh, but think of how it would take. No, I got a paper due today. Oh, and then I could feel it like viscerally spread through my body, and that was it. I'm done. I'm out. The, I'm grabbing my keys, and I'm out the door. And I'm at the first place that has any of that stuff, whatever it is. Give me a shot, heroin in my arm. And then I'm going, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, my God, no, here I go. I don't want to do this, but it's like, oh, just like you see in the movies, you know, the heroin sets in, and, oh, it feels so good. And that's what you remember is that first hit. But then I have to go to the next store, and I have to go to the fast food place, and I have to go to the next place. And then I do this over and over and over. Um I was so thrilled tonight to see my sponsor here from when I really got started in OA in uh, San Jose, Sandy, and um, that was about, I don't know, well, I think she has about 150 years of abstinence, uh, <laughs> but um, I um, I was going to San Jose State, and I, I, I always tell this story. Back then, I had to call my sponsor from a payphone because I had roommates, and I would go to the go to the payphone, um, and I would call her before class, especially on Fridays because I'd be driving home to my parents' house on the weekends in South City, and I would say, this weekend I'm going to stay abstinent. This weekend I'm going to stay abstinent for sure. I'm going to do it, and. She and I worked so closely together, and and then I would get drive all the way from San Jose to South City, walk in the front door and go right to the refrigerator, and it was all over. Every single weekend, and I was every Monday morning, I'd have to call her and say, I didn't make it, I didn't make it, you know, and um, and she was so loving and so sweet and so supportive, and. It's so thrilling to me that she's, she's still in the program. She's here. I can tell her that I have 19 years of abstinence now. But it was that, that, that what made me think about that was just that I walk in the door, boom. You know, it just hit me and all resolve, all program, all intentions, all the prayers, all the meetings, all the phone calls, all the writing, all the tools I use. Um, Still didn't work, you know, at that time. I mean, it was all building up over time, you know, to the place I am today. I'm just watching the time here. Um, but it took, you know, it took a lot of keep coming back, and it took a lot of work. But back to the craving. So when the craving hit, I couldn't stop. I could not stop, and I couldn't stop that. I couldn't. I couldn't um, get. I couldn't fight the cravings, and so what? What really? End, what ended up happening to me was even in the program, I suffered from really black depression. A lot of, lot of years of severe depression and all kinds of trying all different kinds of medication. Always working the program. And the funny thing was, when I was abstinent, was when I was the most depressed because I wasn't using my food, wasn't using my drug. I wasn't eating. And um, sometimes I think, you know, that I use the binging to break the depression. And so for me, what I ended up having to do was two very important things, and one was getting into therapy. And I had to work on those issues that were in my core, in my being, that were so painful that when I um, had to deal with 
fear or anger or resentment, um, that I had to develop the ability to not eat. And I, the only way I was able to do that was to start sorting through my childhood and developing a sense of self and who am I separate from my family and what do I want for myself out of life and it's okay. Learn how to say no and learn how to detach with love and slowly, slowly over time I, I learned how to have a painful feeling and not have to use the food. Have a stressful feeling and not have to reach for the food. Um, go through breakups and not use food. And, and it took a lot of work and it took a lot of commitment and it took wanting it from the depths of my heart. The main thing it took was to not leave. And um, I say this because I talk about this all the time, about how many, we get newcomers all the time. We never have a shortage of newcomers, but we always keep the same number of people in our meetings. And I don't understand what happens. People come in, they get abstinent, they love the program, and then they leave. And I think they leave because it's really hard. It's really, really hard to do the inner work that allows us to have the promises of the program. What uh, I needed to do for myself also was, uh, because I am a compulsive overeater on this end of the spectrum, where, you know, like I said, here's, here's, here's the people that just need to watch Dr. Oz and learn what colors to eat and what size, and here's me with um, bulimia and um, binging all around the clock for days on end, I couldn't, well, for the first 12, 14, 12 years, 14, maybe 15 years, I was able to do my own food plan. I had come into OA, um, I had come into OA when there was gray sheet and blue sheet and orange sheet and way to measure a lot and, and, did, and way to measure mostly because that's what we did. And then World Service took food plans away and so that was a holiday for me. Yippee! I don't have to do this anymore and I can just be my own kind of sponsor and decide my own food plan and I can tell my sponsor what it is. And that worked for a long time except as my disease progressed, you know, my three meals a day with nothing in between became three meals a day with nothing in between. And then eventually I lost, I had three years of abstinence and I lost it. And um, and I was at a I was at a uh, work a weekend workshop to get my uh, to get a, a prep I was taking a weekend prep course so I was getting ready to take my get my uh, license take the test for my license for uh, as a licensed clinical social worker as a therapist and um, I paid a lot of money to have this cram course on the weekend and uh, the suites in the back of the room kept calling my name and I said I can't I can't I can't I can't give in I can't I got to do this I can't take this test for six more months I can't I can't please shut I uh, please God please God no please and I I couldn't I couldn't the cravings had hit I just got my purse my bag I got up I walked to the back of the room I picked up one and then I drove off and looked for the next liquor store to start the mainlining of the sugar. And after I got done with that relapse, I realized, I knew I had to go back to weighing and measuring. I knew I had to go back to something telling me when a meal ends because 
I couldn't limit the amount of food I ate at a meal. I just, it grew and grew. And that's when I went to Howe and begrudgingly, I didn't want to, I didn't want to weigh and measure, I didn't want to surrender that way, um, but it's what has given me 19 years of three meals a day, nothing in between, no sugar, no flour, and um, a really happy life. I was in my 30s, and I still hadn't had a real boyfriend, and I, one of the things I really wanted after I got, I had two years of abstinence, I said, now it's time for me to work on relationships. And that was a really scary thing for me because having had the father I did, it was, I didn't, I didn't have the kind of model I wanted for what um, um, a, 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 a relationship was, a marriage was, that I would like that would work for me. So I embarked on um, working on those skills and that ability is to be, to what, you know, to learn about what I had to bring to a relationship, to learn how to be in one and stay in one, how to give love and receive love. And um, that took me 10 years of work, but um, I'm happy to say that um, I did meet the man of my dreams, and I have been married for 10 years, <laughs> and he's here. And um, there's hope for all of us, you know. My depression after I got married lifted. And <laughs> I'm here to say that marriage is the answer to all your problems if you're single. <laughs> what it was, though, was that I, I, I think it had a lot to do with love, you know, loving myself and letting love in and being loved. And, and all that is really scary stuff if you're a compulsive overeater. And I, I just share it because it's my story. And... Um, it was a dream come true, but it, again, it took a lot of work, and, and that's, but it's worth it because now when I read the promises, I go through one by one, and I do have a new freedom and a new happiness. I do not have a past that I wish to shut the door on. Um, I comprehend the word serenity. I feel it a lot, and I do know peace. And um, I, it took me forever to get there, but I'm here. And... Um, I just have one other story I want to say is that when I was fat, well, when I was overweight, you know, my mind fat was, was, you know, it's all relative. But I was in the mall when I was uh, probably in my early 20s or maybe late teens, and it was Christmas time, and I saw this beautiful green Christmas dress, and a beautiful one was green and one was red, and I just, my heart ached that, you know, for me, could I, I mean, I, I just wanted to be able to wear a little sexy Christmas dress like that so bad. I mean, it just felt so painful, so lonely. And um, it took me 33 years, but I got the Christmas dress. <laughs> and, it, and, and that works, too. It feels really great, you know. And... Um, so I think my time is almost up. Am I, am I almost there? Five, five more minutes? So what can I say? I'm really grateful for this program. I, it's, 33 years is a long time, and, um, and I've got, I'm hoping that I have another 33 years. And I, um, I you know, the, I, I don't know what to say except I work my program because I am so grateful for what I have today. And 
for anybody who's struggling, because I know, I mean, people, I've, I've been to conferences. I know people, you know, have a hard time sometimes at conferences. You can isolate in a conference. But one of the things that helped me so much through, throughout the years was that an OA member said to me one time was, um, I don't look at what I'm giving up. I look at what I'm getting. And that, I just want to close with that, you know, if you're struggling or having a hard time or feeling like it's so scary to give up what, you know, you need to give up, that's what I tell myself. Like, I don't have to do this. I choose to do this. I can eat whatever I want, whenever I want, whatever way I want. I can eat sugar. I, I, can, I can have it. But you know what? I choose not to, and it feels a lot more powerful to me. And when I feel sorry for myself, I immediately flip the switch, and I look at what I've gained, and I am so grateful. Thank you very much. Okay, again, Selma, thank you very, very much. Okay, I just want to remind you the dance is going to be starting in a few minutes. I think about 8.15 we're going to have them go on. If you want to leave the room, you're welcome to do it. Just get make sure your hand is stamped so we know you don't have to pay for the dance. Anybody who was not at dinner has to buy a separate dance ticket. Uh, let's see what else. Remember later on the, the, to check out the boutique, the silent auction, the 50-50. All these things go to support the region and so we can continue to carry the message and have OA thrive in Region 2. So please remember that. And now I'd like to ask Eileen to come up to lead us and I put my hand in yours, known as the OA Promise. Yeah, would everybody please stand? I put my hand in yours, and together we can do what we could never do alone. No longer is there a sense of hopelessness. No longer must we each depend upon our own unsteady willpower. We are all together now, reaching on our hands for power and strength greater than ours. And as we join hands, we find love and understanding beyond our wildest dreams. Keep coming back. I'm going to start putting flowers in the house. Good.